Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. Please take a moment and visit InvernessCalvary.com to get connected with us. We want to know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you may do so online. Now prepare your heart for a word that we pray will bless your life. Well, amen. We're continuing in a series called I Can See. Everybody say, I can see. That's right, this is a, 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 a message, a series of messages all about learning to see what God's vision is for our lives. You know, some of you make those declarations, I can see with your hands over your eyes, believing God for supernatural healing. Uh, some of you say, I can see better with reading glasses. You know, I know that some of us are just in different places and different, and I'm not talking about physical sight. I'm actually sharing this series of messages to help us to see spiritually what God has intended for us to do. We've been talking about our mission and our vision, and last week we started in to explaining our strategy because all of this is connected to how God wants us to live our life personally. Well, how important is vision? Well, Proverbs 29, 18 says it very well. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. Or where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. They're just going every and any which way. People without a sense of direction from God live a life that goes from one urgent state to another. And God wants us to live life filled with his purpose. Now, uh, our mission, our, our corporate culture here at Calvary, the culture that we say we want to dominate everything is summed up in this. Together, extravagantly love Jesus. Together, selflessly love people. This is who we are. We, we want to extravagantly love Jesus. Our church, just so you know, if you want a theological term behind it, our church is doxological in nature. It's that we believe this church exists First, for the glory of God, that we come together and we worship him because he deserves it, because he's amazing, because he's good. It is doxological in nature. We live to give God glory. I believe it's the, the part of the service he really shows up for. In my sermons, he doesn't come and sit on the front row and take notes and say, oh, good point. He doesn't do that. He actually sends the Holy Spirit to confirm the word with signs and wonders. So he'll be at work while the word is going forth. But he's not here for a fresh revelation on the word. We believe he's here to be worshipped. And we believe that it's out of that atmosphere that we will truly as a church begin to selflessly love people. Not just here in the church, but everywhere. A sense of selflessness will just come over us. And that we will give ourselves to thinking about others first. Now, our vision is what we want to see happen in every individual. And this, this vision has been on the back of our t-shirt for the last year. And, and most of you are aware of it. 
It is to see people saved, healed, empowered, and launched into their calling. And if you're in, you haven't been in church in a while and you hear a word like saved, well, saved from what? Saved from eternal separation from God. You see, one day he's coming back and he is going to either call us to himself, those who have accepted and received his free gift of salvation. That's why we call it saved. Those who have accepted that free gift that he supplied through his death, burial and resurrection it is it is now offered to us those who received it will receive will walk into eternal life we possess eternal life now but then we will walk into eternal life with him or when we pass away we go immediately into his presence is it what are you saved from eternal separation from god the presence of god is what you were created for you're created to know him to walk with him and to live with him for eternity and he sent his son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for our sins so everyone could be saved. And so everyone could be healed and empowered, find out how we are designed, and begin to walk in it as we're launched into our calling. Now our strategy that Pastor Carl began to talk about last week is what we employ in the church so that it operates through every individual. individual. Let me say it this way. Our vision, we want to see happen in you. Our strategy, we want to see it happen through you. So this is our strategy. Very simply is that we create environments where people are encouraged and equipped to carry the cross of Christ to their family, church, community, and world. It's like we here at the church model what it's like to actually equip and inspire people to carry all that the cross provided and all that it provided afterwards in fellowship with God's Spirit to all of these areas. We call it the four quadrants of influence. It's the four areas that we really want to see God come and move. You say, whoa, whoa, that kind of, that kind of baffles me. You know, uh, you know I, I carry the cross to my family, church, wait, community? And then you said world. You, my, I mean, some of you in here are like, man, I just want to carry the cross to my laundry pile. Because that room needs to get saved and healed and delivered. You know, or you're like, man, I need to cast out devils out of my kids room you know it's like there's such a mess in there and so the idea maybe of carrying the cross to something bigger than this world that you're living in right now that's in disarray it could be kind of challenging to think about but I want you to know that it's in the presence of God like right now that all things become clear and you begin to see the possibilities of what God is calling you to we believe that God is calling every believer to these four quadrants of influence, family, church, community, and world. And we are to carry the cross of Christ into those areas. Well, you can't talk about carrying the cross without examining Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. And let's look at it together. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Notice those powerful words, deny themselves. Anybody ever just want a me day? 
Come on, show of hands, a me day, you know? You just want to get up and just have a me day, which includes just like, you know, the weather is right. You're sitting outside or maybe on a boat, a new one. <laughs> and you're drinking Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Decaf, that bothers you. Um, and you're just like soaking in. But some, some people want every day to be a me day. And that's where the trap is. God wants you to have a me day. It's, not, it's just not every day. And when we fall into the trap of wanting a me day every day, we'll actually not be carrying the cross. Because part of carrying the cross is actually denying yourself. It's actually saying, no, self. I'm going to put you on the shelf. And I'm going to listen to my spirit. And I'm going to listen to what God is saying to me. And I'm going to walk in that today. And I know it's going to make a difference in someone else's life. So we have to deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow Christ. The word then in verse 24 is a signal word, as we learned from Pastor Carl, that denotes a sequence of events. So we need to find out what happened just before. And in verses 21 through 23, it's going to be our main text today, to find out how to carry the cross to the church. Matthew 16, 21 through 23 says this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. What was he thinking? Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Can you imagine Peter pulling Jesus aside? Jesus, could I have a word? Come over here. This is never going to happen to you. You're not doing that. Never. You hear me? I mean, what was possessing Peter? Oh, wait. Satan. <laughs> Satan was. And, and, and can I just say this? Satan is really sneaky because he will use the bridge of relationship to try to stifle God's plans and purpose in people's lives. It's a sneaky plan he uses. Because sometimes the people closest to you do not understand the call of God on your life. He'll try to use that bridge of relationship to keep us out of our divine purpose. But I love that Jesus just looks him right in the eye and says, Satan deceiver get behind me i'm not listening to you now from this passage we're going to begin to understand what it means to carry the cross to the church what does it mean for us to carry the cross all that god gave to us in the cross which is forgiveness and redemption and 
offers to us the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the deep connection to His body. How do we carry all of that to the church? Well, first of all, let me say before we ever add a thought to this, it was weeks ago that we said we want the atmosphere of this church to be selfless love. I understand that maybe the greatest uh, significant marker to the outside world is the love of God that we show one another. It actually says in the scriptures, it says, it says by this love, they will know that you're my disciples. So I'm not trying to ignore that. It's just something that we, we touched on earlier in a, in a message earlier. And today I want to focus on how we carry the cross to our church. The first way we do it is this, by answering God's call on my life. By answering God's call on my life. Notice what Jesus says here in Matthew 16, 21. He said, from that time on, from that time on, Jesus began to explain, and I would add the word plainly, to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He is saying very plainly, this is God's calling on my life. And by the way, Jesus was the only one ever who could faithfully redeem all of mankind. He is God's only Son, the perfect, sinless Lamb of God, slain to pay the price for all the sins of all time for all humanity. Jesus was perfectly suited for His call. And only Jesus could faithfully answer God's call to redeem mankind from sin. But let me say this. Only you can answer your calling in the church. Only you can answer your call in the church. You see, the scripture describes us in the church as a body. With many members. You can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Where you begin to find out that we're a body and that we all have different functions and that we all have different gifts. Some of us in the body were eyes. We can see in the spirit. Can you imagine if this week your eyes decided to take a week off? They just shut down here in a few minutes after you got home from church. Most of you could wake up and make it to the coffee pot. You do that every day without eyes. You can make it there safely, but how much further could you go if your eyes took a week off? You see, they faithfully answer their call and serve a vital need. And, and I want to say this to you. Your calling in the body is important. Your, your calling in the body 
is important and only you can answer it. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, not something we earn, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You see, God had a plan for your life and a calling on your life before time ever began. Your whole life written in a book in eternity. I actually believe that living by vision is actually discovering that book, allowing God to read you a few pages, and living out what he reads to you. That's living by vision. That's living by vision. God has given you a holy calling. You're set apart. And not only are we called by God, but we're also equipped by God to faithfully walk in our calling. Wherever God calls you, He equips you. Listen, church, wherever God calls you, He equips you. You are called to be a vital member in the church. You say, well, what am I called to do? I'm not sure about the specifics. God will show that to you. All I know is that when he calls you to it, all of the equipping that you need will be right there. And you may not be totally ready to step into your calling, but he'll grow you into that place. There are about 24 different giftings and callings within the scriptures. And all of us have at least one of them given to us to steward in the body of Christ. You know, not everyone is called to publicly speak. Not everyone will take a stage like I do on a Sunday or maybe, you know, in some other arena to, to you know, maybe your, 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 your audience won't be 30 or 300 or 3,000. But God has called you to something. I heard a, a great study done. Uh, it, was a, it was a little poll, actually. And the poll asked this question. Uh, if you could have the choice, which would you choose? to publicly conduct a funeral or to be in the coffin. Most people choose the coffin because there's so much fear associated with speaking in front of people for some. And I, 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 you know, I, don't, I don't really have that. So <laughs> I really don't. And um, I do take what we're doing very seriously, but I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have that fear. I feel like when I'm walking in my gifting and calling, people are being equipped. People are coming alive. People are finding their place in Christ. And it makes me, man, I want to run on the stage. And maybe that's some of you, you know, you're like, man, I'm a preacher too. Call me up, you know, high five, tag me in, you know. Uh, you know, others of you are like, do not tag me. Don't, don't tag me. I'll organize. I'll do something else, but do not tag me. You listen, all of our giftings are important. And I promise you, preachers like me need administrators like you. And all my staff said amen. <laughs> Can I just say this? Um, our destiny 
is found in our design. Many times. Our destiny is found in our design. Uh, we just had the great pleasure of finishing up Foundations. Foundations is an eight-week course that I teach and, where I take people through and give them the essential habits to be very successful in your walk with God. But not only do we give them, you know, how to study the Bible and how to pray and how to live a spirit-led life and what it's like to live in fellowship with other believers, but we also go on a journey of discovery where people begin to understand their passions, the people that they're passionate about, the things that they're passionate about. We, we begin to discover, you know, your own personality traits and your own personality makeup. And we, we begin to discover your own spiritual gifts that you've been, you've been, that you have within you right at this time. And what, what we found out is, is that most of the time, most of the time, not all of the time, our destiny had been there all along, untapped. And we begin to recognize, oh, no, I do have a place in his body. I do have a calling to walk in. Church, I couldn't say it loud enough or strong enough. You have a holy calling to walk in. And part of carrying the cross to the church is saying yes to that calling. Now that calling has a very specific nature. There's a nature to your calling. There's an essence to that calling. First, you need to know that it is very relational. Your calling, it's relational. Not just with other people, but with God. Mark chapter 3 gives us this wonderful, uh, this wonderful moment in the scriptures where Jesus is calling the disciples. And this is what it says. He went up on the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted and they came to him. Your calling first is relational. Your, your answer your calling uh, in the church is about you and God answering it together. And not just because he wants to get something done. You're answering the calling because he wants you. He wants to be near you. He wants to be with you. He wants you close. Our calling is not only relational, but it's, it's a process. Uh, we find out as we continue to follow along in Mark chapter 3 that he called those he himself wanted. They, they, they came to him that they, he appointed 12, that they might be with him. They were going to spend the better part of three and a half years with Jesus. And he was going to show them the kingdom of God, of how to walk and how to demonstrate the kingdom and how to walk in the miracles and the works of the Father, how to actually walk in this world. And, and he, it was so transformative that on the day of Pentecost, the very learned, educated, and respected people said, how in the world did these people become these kind of influencers. Said, aren't these all aren't these all Galileans? That means uneducated nobodies. That was an insult. And yet here they were, being the voice of God in the land, and three thousand people at one time coming to the church. See, it's a process of change. I'm going to go on to say this: the nature of your calling it is bold. Notice what Jesus, Jesus says in Mark chapter 3. He says that he appointed them that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. 
Now, I know when we hear that word preach, we think preacher. That's not what this says. It says that they might go out and preach. Now, he was going to send them to places he wanted to go. But they would be bold in declaration of who God was and that the kingdom had come and that the Messiah was here. He says the kingdom of God is here. He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you receive, freely give. It's bold. You know, sometimes we misquote early church fathers and we... And one of them that kind of bothers me is the one, St. Francis of Assisi, where we quote him and we say, where he gives this quote that we often, you know, uh, rattle off for the wrong reasons. It says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Okay, let me just help everybody. That is not addressing... Preaching. That is addressing your lifestyle. Preaching the gospel is necessary. Using words is necessary. Preach the gospel at all times. You ought to be telling everybody about what Jesus has done in your life, in your world. How about this? At least in your family. Have you told them? How about on your job? Do they know? Do they know? See, the part of your calling, it's bold. There's a boldness that comes when God shows up. Just answer this question. Does God ever get afraid? No. And if he lives in you, you have access to a boldness. Oh, the scripture says the righteous are as bold as a lion. When you're right with God, that boldness just comes upon you. It is bold. It doesn't have to be loud like me. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to be gregarious. I love interrupting things like lines at Walmart. I love it. I always make a friend. God is always moving somewhere. And most of the time it's in a restaurant. I'm trying to fix that. But it's where God uses me, so I keep going. Um, I just want you to know that it's bold. It really is. It's bold. And you just got to say yes. And there's a boldness you need to carry to Sunday morning. You need to come boldly and say, you know what, God? I think you're going to use me this morning. I think you're going to use me. I think God used a few of you just a few minutes ago to pray for grandkids and, and sons and daughters. And I believe those kids are now free because you prayed. There's a boldness. Not only that, there's a nature of your calling. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. Mark 3, just continuing in that same, that, 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 that same scripture, it says, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Well, nowadays we cross through that little last statement and we say, and to counsel people's um, insecurities and mental deficiencies. No, we have to cast out demons. They're real. There's a real enemy. But the nature of your calling is supernatural. 
We've so lost this. We've been bewitched by some other gospel that really doesn't exist. We serve a supernatural God. He never stops being himself. And that same God wants to flow through you. He's a supernatural God who speaks and things change. When he answers, everything changes. It's supernatural. He wants to use you to heal the sick and to see people set free from demonic influence. Mark 16, 17 says this, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I I just want to say this. This is the marks of a believer. This is our calling. And I, I just say, can't you just look at this verse and say, we got some room to grow? We got some room to grow. I've got to say yes to my calling. Well, it's my calling, it's on the page. I've got to cast out some devils. I'm not touching a snake. Because that is not what this is talking about. Talking about demonic influence. We'll take those things up and cast them down. I believe in supernatural protection. And I also believe that hands that have once been given to sin That when they are given to Christ, he makes them righteous. And then somehow, through the miracle of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a touch on a sick person can make them well. If you don't know what it's like to be that close to a miracle, start using what God gave you. Answer your call. Answer your call. I also want to say the nature of your calling is this. It is right here and it's right now. It is right here and it's right now. Two big lies in the kingdom. Two really big lies in the kingdom. My time is coming. My time has passed. One day I'll walk in my calling. I totally missed out on my calling. Your calling is right here, right now. Young people, listen to me. Don't wait on high school to get fire baptized and living for God. Live for Him right now and lead a revival in middle school. Your calling is right now. It's not coming. Listen, it is here. It is here. When God shows up in your life, he shows up. Now, do you have to grow in some things and exercise wisdom and, and, and be disciplined and be discipled? Yes, but your calling starts right now. The grace will come on you right now. Listen, I was preaching at walls before I was preaching to anybody. Now I use outlines. I used to have a 14-inch legal pad, and I would write out every single word, and I didn't have a pulpit. It's because your callings will start to come out of you. 
And I want you to understand that it's right here and right now. Acts 17, 26 says this, and he is made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined the pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in hope that they might grow for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. You need to understand you weren't born for a different time. This is your time. This is your pre-appointed time where the God who lives in eternity took your life and flung you into this moment in 2017, filled with purpose, filled with his spirit, and filled with the possibility of him using you in a powerful way. This this is your time. That one's easier to swallow. How about this one? And this is your place. Let me give you a mild rebuke. Stop trying to escape Citrus County. We don't need a Starbucks. We need a Chick-fil-A. Put on a Starbucks. You're not missing out. Listen, if you believe that your promised land is somewhere else, uh, let me tell you, Citrus County will be the desert that never blooms for you. No, your calling is right here. Some of you have been trying to escape for years and bouncing off the, the boundary of your dwelling because your calling was right here and you'd been running from it. You've got to answer God's call right here. I believe God wants to send revival right here. I don't care if there's more trees than people. God's sending, God is sending a move of his spirit right here, right now, right here. Our calling is right here. And if we will say yes to being planted where God has put us, this place will bloom. The life of God will surge. God will use us powerfully. It is right here and right now. And your calling is right here and right now. There is a question that, 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 that begs being addressed. Is there a price for ignoring your calling? There certainly is. We just celebrated the Feast of Purim. The Feast of Purim is basically the celebration of what God did through the life and purpose and calling of Esther. We spent 72 hours of continuous worship and prayer during that time. And what you need to understand about this story, about how God raised up this girl to be queen and established her in that moment. In that moment, she was getting sound, godly advice from her uncle. And we find in his advice, the price of not answering your call. Esther 4.14 says it this way, For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. There is a price to be paid for not answering our call. It is people perish. 
When we don't carry the the cross of Christ and all that God has done for us to the church, there will be people who come in hurting and leave hurting. And inside they're perishing, wondering will God show up? And really what they needed was for you to show up in your time, in your calling, in your moment in this place. God wants to do something powerful. But He always does it in partnership with us. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We carry the the cross of Christ to the church by answering our calling. And the second way we carry it to the church is by removing stumbling blocks for others. Remember our passage from Matthew 16? Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are stumbling block to me. And you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Let me help you define stumbling block today so you can begin to recognize them. It's anything that could keep someone from God's design purpose. Anything that could keep someone from God's designed purpose. I have a wrestling match, if I'm going to be completely honest. I have a wrestling match from time to time because I'm a little bit prophetic. God shows me things. I can be around people just for a few minutes. God just shows me things. And sometimes I don't want to say what he's saying. And I actually say this, God, why me? You could, anybody. And this is what he always says to me. It's because you'll say what I tell you to say. And if there's a stumbling block in someone else's life that is meant for their destruction, and we just smile and ignore that stumbling block and it leads to their destruction, when God has said, hey, please, address it. Remove it. I don't want to be that person. I always find myself in those moments going, well, you know I'm the guy. I can't just talk about the weather and how's your life and man, is your dog doing well? If God tells me something, it's not always. Don't be afraid to hang out, okay? It's just not like that all the time. Like, oh man, he's reading my trash. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not. Uh, but there have been those moments where, where somebody comes into town and they're just visiting and I'm like, God, why me? Why? I have to be the one. And they may not like you very much afterwards. But you know what you're doing? You're removing a stumbling block. Now, if they put it back, that's on them. You say... What's a stumbling block look like? Well, let me just give you a couple. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. You know, the Bible tells us that in the last days, people would call it evil good and good evil. There's a whole system of thought that's trying to sweep across our nation. And you know, that's a stumbling block for people. And they actually feel righteous about calling evil good and good evil. 
by the way, I'm not telling, I'm not telling you to be argumentative. I'm just telling you, just, you got to remove stumbling blocks. But you know, even more so than the ones that we politicize, there are people who come in with wrong thinking to the church every week. And wrong thinking is any thought that is contrary to what God's word reveals. Wrong thinking is any thought that's contrary to what God's word reveals. It, it, it shows up like this. God won't, God won't forgive me for that. That voice shows up. says, God won't forgive me for that. How about this one? God won't come through for me. Ah, he'll do it for him. He's the pastor. He won't come through for me. How about this? I'm not good enough to be used by God. And those wrong thoughts show up. You know what we're to do as the church? We're, we're called to get around those people and remove those stumbling blocks. That's keeping them from God's purpose in their life. We need to stand in their faith, face and with all boldness say, there is a God who will wash you clean of every sin. That the Bible is filled with the, the, the wonderful tales of God using murderers and adulterers. And once they were forgiven and free, look out. After all, Christ is called the son of David, parentheses, Adulterer, murderer. Christ assigned his name to his ministry. That's a God who can forgive anything. And so we need to remove that stumbling block. We need to, we need to say, no, no, no. God will come through for you. He gives us a spirit. That spirit within us cries, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. We're going to come through for me because you're my dad. That's what dads do. Maybe not what your earthly dad did, but that's what our heavenly father does. When you hear that lie that you're not good enough to be used by God, you can say, you know what? God doesn't use any of us because we're good. He uses us because he's good. And he's forgiven us and washed us and cleansed us. Bill Johnson, love this quote, says, I cannot afford to spend time thinking thoughts about myself that God is not thinking. You should write that down. You might need that reminder this week. <laughs> I'm not going to spend time thinking thoughts about myself that God is not thinking about me. It's a complete waste of time and it's a trap of the enemy. Another stumbling block is bad theology. You know, if people are worshiping the wrong God, nothing will work. Bad theology. You can't place faith in a God that doesn't exist. Most people think, you know, uh, you know that God is just sitting on the throne. He is mad and just getting madder. He sees all the stuff going on. Ooh, he's mad. Ooh, man, you look at the book of Revelation, he gets really mad. And then I was like, that's the worst theology in the world. 
It actually, the book of Revelation starts off with an awesome revelation of how unbelievably powerful God is and the beautiful revelation of how powerful his son is. And then when you look at the end, it is the total squashing of the enemy's kingdom. And there isn't an ounce of it that exists in the end. It's the greatest book of victory ever. Oh yeah, God's wrath is poured out against Satan and his kingdom. And you and I are going to walk in victory the whole way. You can't place faith in a God that doesn't exist. The God of the Bible exists. Listen to this quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. The most pretentious fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. Just as her most significant message is what she says about Him or leaves unsaid, for her silence is often more eloquent than her speech, A.W. Tozer. We have to embrace thoughts about God that are actually true. Within the church, we should be making bold declarations about God's holiness. Do you understand that in heaven they have been saying holy, holy, holy. Angels have been saying holy, holy, holy. It's the only word the angels can come up with. They have full language, by the way. They were not only assigned one word, but when they are in constant revelation of God, they say holy. Yes, you're pure. You are so good. But did you know that holy also means completely other than? That means anything you start to describe him, as good as that description is, you're like, oh, not good enough. Other than, you're other than, you're, you're, you're so other than anything I have ever experienced, anything I have ever seen. And the church needs to say, God is holy. He is different. He's not like any man you have ever experienced. He is holy, holy, holy. Not only is he holy, but he is, he is good. We need to be making bold declarations about his mercy, which is new every morning. About God's grace, which is unending. About God's power, which has not ceased. About God's wisdom, which is the way out of every problem. And the list goes on and on and on. We cannot afford to think low thoughts about God. Or we worship a God who doesn't exist. I want to finish by saying 
every time we come together on Sundays in life groups, outreaches, prayer meetings, worship nights, youth group, children's church, or whatever gathering should come. We need to show up with this in mind. God, help me remove a stumbling block for someone today and help me to represent Jesus well. Help me to remove a stumbling block. Final scripture today is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's a familiar passage. But it'll help you understand how to, how to carry your cross. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every, every weight and the sin which so e easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, L looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to make this statement. Jesus had the joy of knowing his sacrifice Answering his calling would pave the way for his father to have intimate fellowship with mankind again. He had the joy of knowing God's about to add to his family. And I just want to say this to you today. The idea of you carrying the cross it's not burdensome. You know how you pick it up and walk with it? With joy. Knowing that when I answer my calling, God's going to move. God's going to do something in my life and in the lives of others around me. That people are going to have stumbling blocks removed so that they can answer their calling. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like more information about the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church, please visit our website at InvernessCalvary.com.